0: What if every day you had the chance to experience more love and intimacy in your life? We're going to be sharing stories of struggles and triumphs in love, sex, and relationships, along with expert advice to create more conscious connections. Enjoy this podcast with Dawn Richard. Wake up to real love. Hi, everyone. This is Dawn Richard, also known as The Awakening with Dawn, and this is the Wake Up to Real Love podcast, where we share stories of struggles and triumphs in love, sex, and relationships, along with expert advice to create more conscious connections. I'm super honored and excited today to introduce my relatively newish friend and colleague, Rabia Paracha. Hi, Rabia. Hi, Dawn. How are you? <laughs> I'm so grateful that you're here with me. Thank Rabia. Robbie is a mind, power, life, and relationship coach, and a passionate social entrepreneur. After experiencing her third emotional, mental, and relationship breakdown at 44, she began questioning everything about her life to discover her true identity. She's now on a mission to educate, elevate, and empower people to think better and feel better so that they can move from surviving to thriving and create their modern-day love story faster. We're going to have a good conversation. Mm -hmm.
1: Looking forward to it.
0: (laughs) Okay. So my little icebreaker question, because I usually start with this, is I saw this beautiful labyrinth on your social media, and I'm wondering how it relates to you and your work.
1: Wow, that's amazing. So how does it relate to me and my work? Uh, so the labyrinth, uh, I stumbled onto a, a labyrinth at a walk I was at up, up north in Toronto. And there's, you can't get lost in a labyrinth. a labyrinth. And so when I, and you know, and it was new to me when I discovered it, and I related it to life. And my life in particular, that I can't get lost. Mm. It's just a maze that I will walk through. There's a beginning and an end and I will find the way out. So that's, and beautifully, you know, it was so beautiful. And that particular labyrinth that I have on my post is in particularly just so beautifully made. And now I actually uh, have these uh, sessions where we, we go and find the parks where they're, are labyrinths and we go for these walks because It's a wonderful way to release worries, uh, to get answers and also um, make a prayer of some sort uh, to make the ask. And as I'm walking back, so on the way forward, I I make these three, I do these three steps. I uh, declare what I want. I uh, release my worries and then I ask a question whatever it is that's bothering me. On the way back, I often find the answer.
0: Mm. Okay, those three things I think are very difficult for many people. One, first, to ask what you want. mm -hmm. Like when was the last time that anybody asked you, what do you want, Rabia?
1: Right, very true. And there's, for me and my, so I always have a want. So there's always a gap between what I have and what I want. There's, and, and I often want things and it could be something small, like a conversation with someone, or it could be a material thing that I want a new car. And so this want that, you know, it's kind of this particular word want is a little intimidating. And also we don't connect with, at least I didn't connect with, it can be something so small, could just be, I want a cup coffee and how to get it. So it's, it I doesn't really matter how big Exactly. And this is it. So I sip of my tea, and do I get it, or do I sit here and wait? Uh, you know, there are lots of things, um, but I think the want is something really close to the heart, and we often think about what we want, and that's why it's confusing. And so I always think um, when I when I'm not my when I'm not feeling. 100%. I always ask myself what's going on? What's your want? What is it that's missing or what and sometimes that want can just be me doing something. Like what? So, so um like making a phone call, like uh talking to my children, like uh taking a shower like it can be simple and you know procrastination is a huge killer right um so if I'm putting off something there's something I want to do or want to get or want uh to express but there's a gap between the thought and the action and So for me, in that moment, and also the sensations that are lurking around in my body, Mm. they're signaling me to do something or something's going on that I'm not connected with. And the labyrinth in particular, when I'm walking it, I get a chance to be silent and listen to them.
0: And sometimes I don't know.
1: It is. And and what happens, to be honest with you, so sorry about that. Um. Muted. Uh, and what happens with that is that when I don't even know my want and then I go into what I'm feeling, there's this aha in that moment, like inside the labyrinth, something I didn't know. So thinking about it can be a little bit offsetting in terms of we don't connect. I don't connect. I don't really know what's going on. But being present uh, in that space, it's so incredible. It's so incredible. It's it's like, wow, I didn't even know that.
0: So how do you switch? Because I think this is a challenge for many, many people. How do you switch from that head space where you're thinking, thinking, thinking? Um, and how do you switch to dropping into your heart and feeling? Because mm-hmm. there's not very much space between them. <clears throat> but we create millions of miles of space in between them.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So um, it's automatic; it happens as. So I take three deep breaths. I take three deep breaths when I before I begin, and I make an intention that whatever I'm meant to understand, feel, uh, learn, will come to me. And after making those three deep breaths, which is slowing down my mind, essentially, and all the thoughts that may be racing that I'm not even aware of and present to, and perhaps even confused because there's so many, I start walking and I follow, I just follow the path. I look downwards and I follow the path. And it's so gentle. Like, I mean, it'll go up and down. And as I go, I can actually feel my breath slow down. Mm -hmm and i if there are other people so i've had these guided uh, walks on on the labyrinth and um it's so interesting that the the uh the pace and the stride they all become in sync even mm-hmm. the others and as you walk into it and keep walking it's just natural it's just a natural i, tr- I recommend everyone to visit a park where there's um, a labyrinth because uh, I looked up in Toronto. There are like hundreds of parks that I never knew. Really? Uh, And uh, yes. Wow. And so in fact, last weekend, I had a a forest bathing and uh, a a labyrinth walk uh, at High Park in Toronto. So if anyone is from Toronto, that's where you can find one. But there are tons, tons of them out there.
0: I I feel like Mm -hmm. most people don't take time to slow down because that's really what this is, right? It's about learning how to be present in the moment. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I, I feel like a lot of people, um, you know, we spend our lives being so busy and having all of this external stimulation and, Mm -hmm. And being silent with yourself can be pretty scary. It can make you feel very vulnerable because you don't, like, why am I doing this? Why am I, what's the big why? Why should you do this?
1: Mm-hmm. Is that your question to That's me? That's my why question.
0: Should, why should why should you do this?
1: Well, uh, you know what? It, it, it's such an individual choice. Um, it depends depends on what ultimately how you're feeling. And if it's if what you're experiencing, you don't know what you're experiencing. Uh, One of the reasons could be that I don't know what I'm feeling, but it doesn't feel right Mm -hmm. or good and or good Mm -hmm. or or I'm overwhelmed. There's too much going on. I don't know what to do. And how hard is it to walk? And I like to find no brainer ways of connecting with myself because it is overwhelming. It is hard to slow down the thoughts. It's, I don't want to take a deep (laughs) breath at all. Right. I don't want to, I don't want to, I I don't want to, like, I mean, there's always, I don't want, I don't want, I don't want, I don't want to work on myself. And I go out for a walk every single day. I, you know, I walk eight kilometers or try to almost every day. And so even if on days that I, in the beginning, I didn't want to do it, but there was a part of my body that said, oh, let's go. It feels so good. It actually called me Aww. eventually. It's, hmm. just, you know, like when we're starting, it's so hard to get it started, meaning it takes more energy to get it started than it does to actually, uh, to drive years and it's priority I think it's priority and if we initially start as a habit or a ritual that we quote have to do because what often happens is I don't have the data for the answer that I want or for what is not working right now or for how I'm not feeling good. I don't have the data. If I had the data, I would do it if it was that simple. So when I don't have the data, I like to, I'm curious by nature, very curious. I like to experiment. Uh, I bore very easily. I get bored very easily. So I want always changing. So I love, you know, change. So for me, I try to find the values, what's important to me.
2: Mm
1: -hmm. And if I connect to my values uh, that are deeply rooted um, in me and I ask myself, am I showing up to them? Am I am I living them? Am I, you know, self-expression is one of them or uh, transparency is one of them. If I'm am I really being transparent if I feel like this and I'm not expressing my myself just recently? Um, I had reconnected with someone and this is somebody from my past. And, um, I, it was a kind of like a dream come true, uh, where I knew that this person would come back, Oh wow! but, and this is like a 10 year on, on again, off again situation. And I knew that they would come back. Like I just knew it in my gut. I I had no proof. Right. Right. You just have this intuitive feeling exactly I just knew it and so the reason I wanted them to come back was not to get back together but was actually to stand up for myself oh wow and it so it took two weeks for me to muster the courage even though I had planned it it was all done and So being um, self-expressed is very important. And also knowing that I've done the work and I'm able to use the work I've done, not just do the work. Because it's partly, I think we all know what to do, how to do it, when to do it. I think we are an encyclopedia. Each and every human being has enough lessons it's acting on those lessons mm-hmm. it's acting on what we know and i challenged myself i wanted to say that you know what it's great that we're together but i'm not that person anymore and mm-hmm. i can't do this anymore and it took a lot of courage it it was hard but i felt so proud of myself that i yeah. found I found the words uh, and there were, you know, it was nice. It wasn't angry, bitter, resentful. It was loving. It was honest. I was true to myself and that felt so good.
0: That is, um, I think that's really hard to do. I think a lot of people find it really difficult to do to, because you carry this, all of this stuff with you. Uh, which is what causes depression or anxiety or a multitude yeah. of things, mm-hmm. um, that sense of feeling lost within yourself because you're not speaking up for yourself. You're not expressing what's what's right for you or what honors you. Mm-hmm. So that must have felt really empowering and freeing
1: absolutely, um, very empowering. Uh, to step into courage, uh, even sometimes it feels a lot more daunting and scary. Um, the thought of it sounds, is much more intimidating. But when you're actually, when I was actually in the process, so this was over a text. It wasn't in person. Although we did speak and every time we spoke in person, these words just wouldn't come out.
0: Mm, interesting.
1: Because we go back into our defaults. I went back into my default. And so, but I knew I wanted to express, but I couldn't. So what I did was I started writing what I wanted to write, what I wanted to say in my Uh journal. And then eventually over the course of, I was making plans to meet, but then I just took a step back. I said, okay, I'm taking a risk of falling back into my default by meeting. Am I just making an excuse? Do I really want to do this? How much do I want to do it? Mm-hmm. and and then it just oozed out of me i think when i'm ready to communicate something i think often that's another thing that we think that in person or over text like we pre-decide what the right way is
0: mm, right like you rehearse it
1: <laughs> and you rehearse it and uh-huh. uh and then you but nothing comes out and i had done that for the last for the two weeks prior uh-huh. nothing came uh-huh. out and so i said no I, I want to express myself. I want to be true to myself and to this person. So I, I wrote it and it just oozed out. I, I mentally decided that I will write it. And if I meet, I will say it. And if I don't, uh, I won't. But the meeting was kept getting pushed. There was no time frame, And mm-hmm. that was very unsettling for me because I needed to express myself and said, I won't wait anymore. I'll just do it this way because it's important that I don't uh, make myself feel more anxious. Right. Feel, you know, meaning it has to be, I'm ready. I'm willing. I'm able act. I think that's the key finding that time because often if we, and when I don't act, then then it goes on the back shelf and then sometimes never happens.
0: Right. Because you allow the fear to um, to hold you up, you know, or hold you back rather, Mm -hmm. as opposed to the act of courage, I think, is feeling the fear and doing it anyways. Like Mm -hmm. I am scared to to say this or I'm scared to do this, Mm -hmm. but I know intellectually and in my heart and soul, like this is going to help me face myself. It's going to help me express to you what's going on for me and what my experience of you is. And Mm -hmm. it's also going to be freeing so that I can let go of all those patterns and um, bad habits or ways of uh, that we keep ourselves stuck.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. And so I always see life as three parallel journeys. The one that I have with myself, and then the one that I have with other people, and then the one that I have for people. And so I always, along every situation I'm in, these three journeys are always with me in every t- situation. So I ask myself, is this mine? Mm, is it I- ours? Or is this something I want for someone? that they don't necessarily want for themselves or even see that they could have it. Mm-hmm. So once I start compartmentalizing, even though we can't really put in these emotions and things into compartments, we can, through this exercise, sort of say, okay, is this mine or theirs or is this ours? And what do I want for myself? What do I want to express to the other person? And what is the reason? And just knowing those three, you know, answering those three questions, I start writing my or whatever thoughts. Sometimes I write them. Sometimes I just, uh, it just plays out as a a thought. Uh But it gives me clarity. And the less confusion there is and the more clarity there is, the easier it is for me to express myself. Because often when I'm not clear and I express myself, that conversation goes into shambles. It's, it either ends up in a fight or it, make, make, it makes me say something that I didn't really want to say, but because I didn't process my emotions um, and what I was feeling, that those feelings come out indirectly through my words. And those right. words are very harsh and, and bitter.
0: Right, right. Mm-hmm. That's more a uh, reactionary as opposed to being thoughtful and responding.
1: Right, and it was ten years of processing this this uh, <laughs> this emo- these emotions which are still very alive, uh-huh, which was the remarkable part that after a decade, those emotions were as alive as they were a decade ago, if not more
0: well that's that's part of what I wanted to talk to you about because I feel like so many of us carry these emotions, these painful experiences these situations where we find ourselves feeling disempowered or not being able to speak up or stand up for ourselves and so i want to i wanted to ask you about you know your journey to your to you know where where everything crumbled like where you were completely feeling lost 10 mm-hmm. years ago you were completely feeling lost because of a lot of experiences that you had and then yet still 10 years later you're still processing and going through, so can you talk um, can you talk about how you got lost, how you got lost, and what was the thing that woke you up mm-hmm. to help you on this different path
1: right, great question. And you know as I look back as I look back, it was um I didn't, I wasn't consciously living. I was just living. Hmm. I wasn't aware. What's the difference? Um, The difference is I was on autopilot. I did things because I did them without giving it as much thought or reflection, uh, without connecting with myself and actually asking myself, what are you doing? Hmm.
0: Like more like acting because you think you should do certain things.
1: So these are more unconscious things. Um, You know, we wake up every morning. There are lots of things that we do that are unconscious. We wake up every morning. We brush our teeth. We don't necessarily need to think about them and they don't require us to think about them. We breathe our heart beats. Exactly. All these things happen automatically, whether we think about it or not. But there are lots of things that happen automatically because of our conditioning, because of our belief system, because of our experiences and how they've either traumatized us or make us feel good. So those things, we don't even know that they're showing up. I didn't know that they were showing up and things happen. And usually when things happen gradually, we find an outlet to express it in exercise or you know other things that release that tension and stress Mm
0: -hmm. but
1: what sometimes things happen unexpectedly so one day i'm with someone and the next day they say okay i don't want to be with you anymore there was no prediction i couldn't predict it that this would be the case four days ago we're celebrating valentine's four days later i think we should go our separate ways what out of the blue Meaning there were things that were going on in the background in that person's mind, but, and I suspected, to be honest with you. So here's what I, this is about self-expression. I could tell when there was something up, I didn't have the courage to say, how do I ask? I don't have any proof, but I have a feeling this is, this has to do with me and it has to do with us. Uh And so I didn't have the courage to ask those uh, those thoughts or what's going on. And I would say things like a penny for your thoughts. Mm. But I would say that, but, oh, no, it's nothing was the answer, right? So you never got a response. Never got a response. Yeah. Direct response. Because I didn't know what the thought was about either but i just suspected that it was had to do with us
2: mm-hmm.
1: and then when um you know fine saturday uh i think we should go our own ways in fact not even saturday it was a tuesday it was a valentines and thursday it was i think we should go our own ways wow and i'm like i don't get this uh, uh i don't get this but okay
0: there were okay you just accepted
1: I said, I don't get it. Well, there were, what happened on the, I'm, I'm being so, um, like, this is like, a, so such a memory and like, it's so etched in my mind. What happened was there was this odd, peculiar behavior and I couldn't understand it. I said, well, listen, if you're going to do this and not talk to me about it, then we best go our own ways because I want someone that can express themselves right. and share their thoughts with me. There was just awkward behavior and weird behavior uh-huh. Uh-huh. and you can tell there's something going on and those penny for your thought moments were coming coming up in in action in thought in behavior. Wow. and behavior and anyway so we then did have a conversation on the following saturday which was two days later and it it was that uh, let's go our own ways let's mm-hmm. let's part at this time and i didn't get it um i didn't get it but i'm like okay sure what how, do you long,
0: how long have you been with them
1: so it was not too long mm-hmm. uh meaning long but not too long in in intensity very long but in actually like three months oh mm-hmm. but it was a love at first sight it was um like very deep and Quick connections. Uh, there were lots of synergies. We spoke each other's love languages before we knew that there were love languages.
0: Uh huh. Uh huh.
1: So there were, it was really uh, magical, I would say. It was a magical experience. But there were so many things like love isn't enough. No. Love isn't enough. Even it, though love is all there is, even paradoxically. Though- Yes. Love is all there is. Love is all you need, but it's not enough. Mm. And uh, because it requires two people to step and honor the love. Right. And so it was really magical that time, which was why it was so hard for me to let it go. Mm. Even though I said, okay, but what happened inside me was devastating. Of course. Like, I I think I went into PTSD or something um, in that moment. And then for the uh, following three weeks, I couldn't function. I was a zombie. I would get up, go to work, come home, get up, go to work. I don't, I, I I just was doing the fog,
0: like you were in a complete fog because it was shocking to your system.
1: I wasn't present. I did not know what was happening. Uh-huh. But at the end of the three weeks, I said, enough. I said, enough. I, I, I believed that he would come back, but I said, enough. And I said, you know what? And there were, it was just a Pandora's box that blew up at that time. It was mm-hmm. just, it shattered every aspect of my life, my work, my family, my relationship, uh, how I felt about myself, my mental health, everything. It shattered everything. And it was the best place I've ever been.
0: That doesn't make sense at all, Rabia.
1: And I'll say why. In hindsight, I can say that. I couldn't say it in the moment. It was the most difficult thing I had to do. I was going to say devastating devastating difficult but at the same time for the first time in my life i get to choose what i do mm. i don't have to believe anything i've been told and i can find a new a new way to live outside of what's been taught and and these all these um subliminal information that i've been absorbing and right. making right and wrong of and so it was, I decided at the end of the three weeks that I'm going to grab the bull by the horn and I'm going to decide how I live my life. And I did. And so I started, I wanted meaning. And this is something that was missing in my life. Mm. I wanted meaningful living. I didn't want just words. I didn't want to say something and not be it. Or, and I didn't want to hear something and someone else not be it. Mm
0: -hmm. yeah because words really are meaningless it's the actions that back back up the words just like love is not enough i can say i love you till the cows come home but if i'm actually not being loving towards you my Mm -hmm. words are hypocritical Mm -hmm. my words don't mean anything
1: absolutely and um yeah, I'm just, uh, this is quite fresh because it just, it's almost like there was a, it was packaged this last couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, and I started going to, so like we have Clubhouse these days, um, you know, for the longest time, there's this organization called Meetup, uh-huh. meetup.com. And there were these conversations that we're having on Clubhouse that were on, in in person so you would go to these i would i started going to these meetings meaningful living law of attraction how to make your life better uh and i just wanted meaning i i felt like i was empty i was running on empty for the longest time right it was when this unexpected um i think covid in many ways was like that for all of us but but for me it was that unexpected i don't want you anymore that shock made me realize that I was living on empty and I wanted meaning. I wanted substance in my life and I I was missing it. And the substance was inside me, not inside of me.
0: Right. It's like you're feeling this sense of emptiness or loneliness or Mm -hmm. disconnection. And a lot of times I think that we blame, you know, we point the finger Mm -hmm. around us. Mm -hmm. But really when you point the finger at somebody else, they're three fingers pointing back at you. Right.
1: Exactly. I was, I was always the victim. Mm.
0: I was always
1: the victim. Not that there is anything wrong with recognizing that something happened and that you were a victim, but to stay a victim was my choice. Mm. And, um, and I did, you know, not just in this event and this event for three weeks, At the end of the three weeks, I said, I'm taking responsibility for this. What do I have control over? What can I control? And it was what I do, where I go, who I meet, what I say, how I say, say. Mm -hmm. Um, the messages I'm telling myself. Exactly. And, but I do also at the same time love these messages because without a lot of the times, I wouldn't say it out loud. But I would think it and thinking mm-hmm. it was as harmful as saying it, thinking it was harmful to me, saying it out loud and saying it to someone was harmful for the relationship. Mm-hmm. So I stumbled onto a life coach at, at, at one of the meetups and he took my name three times in that um, in that talk. And there was some magical connection. Again, you just know that this person has something to offer. Mm -hmm. He just written a book. He signed a copy, gave it to me. He said, I'm offering a 40 minute free, you know, consultation. Uh, I said, sign me up. Two weeks later, I hired him. And, you know, I came, I learned so much about how my thoughts work. I came into possession of a mind power program. Uh, that helps me think better and feel better. Mm-hmm. And that program really helped me become an observer. How do my thoughts impact me? How, how, how long do I let these thoughts ruminate? I, how long do I uh, take to cut them off or stop thinking them? What is the impact of those thoughts? How are they serving me? And so when you, when I became, when I separated myself from my life and started looking at it as if it was not me, I became my friend. I essentially became my own friend.
0: I think that's really difficult to do um, because a lot of times people, people speak to themselves the way that they were spoken to growing up. Mm -hmm. And so you have oftentimes when I'm working with clients, and and they're talking about these thoughts in my head i often say whose voice is it <laughs> whose voice are you hear- are you hearing was it your mom was it your dad giving you these negative messages that now you're carrying with you because your belief system is that you are that thing mm-hmm. even if intellectually you th- you think that's not me or that's but they're so ingrained in us because they were they you were trained in Mm -hmm. a way you were trained. And so that's why this work is so important because so many times we do think that we are a victim of circumstances, Mm -hmm. that we're a victim of somebody else's behavior or whatever the situation is. And like you said, sometimes you are victimized, but how do you take that situation and learn from it? And mm-hmm. ask I mean those questions that you talked about were really, really incredible, valuable, important questions to ask yourself, mm-hmm. so that you can look outside of yourself and say, "How is this impacting me? How is this either holding me back or helping me move forward
1: mm-hmm. absolutely and um it, it I was at that time when this process was happening, I was so empty that everything just made a lot of sense. Mm. It just made a lot of sense. It's, I felt like I was this dry shriveled up sponge that is listening to these uh, techniques and to uh, understanding myself. Yeah. And this sponge that was dry and shriveled up is now completely, alive and it's expanding and it's not dry anymore it's actually feeling nourished and it wants more i i became addicted to this process so for four or six weeks of my life i did nothing else except go to work come home eat just the bare necessities uh-huh. for i would say for 3 months i did nothing i didn't socialize i completely devoted myself to myself.
0: To myself. What a bold new concept, Rabia. Yeah. What a bold new concept. So how did you how did you go from this place of feeling lost and and a victim to get to that other side where you feel more empowered, where you are, where you are nourishing yourself. Because I think many times we don't nourish ourselves. We're constantly taking care of everybody else. You know, we have other responsibilities, other obligations, especially if you have kids or a family or a spouse Mm -hmm. and you, it's, it's a juggle. So how did you, how did you devote that time and what did you learn about yourself in the process?
1: How I devoted that time is I just made a choice. It was a choice I made that I am so empty, I don't have the resources to do anything more than what i 'm doing mm-hmm. it and i don't want anyone to ever have a breakdown like and it can be done in other ways, but it requires a lot of discipline
0: because because you had a breakdown.
1: Well, I didn't need discipline. I already had the dis I already had the breakdown. I had no choice. I yeah. was literally at this. See, when you have a breakdown, you have no choice but to get better. Because I wasn't actively a participant in, participant in my own life at that point. But I became an active participant in my physical life. Mm-hmm. I wasn't an active participant. I was just a participant for the first time in my life in my life in my little world, inside me, in my thoughts, in my traumas. It was this, I hadn't addressed, I had always made excuses for everything that ever happened to me. I always justified whatever had happened in the past. Like from
0: your family of origin stuff?
1: From Yes, from, you know, I was engaged very early, married very young. And then all the things... Uh, lost my father. I didn't have time to process grief. I didn't have grief from the loss of my father, from the loss of my marriage, from the loss of my second marriage. Uh, I didn't process grief,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and it it builds up. Right. And so when I when when this one person abandoned me, which I l- later learned that I had abandonment issues because parents had said. We don't want, not, this is not what they did, but this is what my experience was. We don't want you. You're going to Pakistan. You're getting married. I mean, those are the th- thoughts that were going in my mind, not consciously, but that's how I was like, I'm not wanted. I want to be with my family. My father, well, you,
0: you were very, very
1: young. Right. I was 19 when I got married, but my father was ill with cancer.
2: Mm-hmm. So
1: I wanted to be with my father, not halfway across the world. Yeah. So, you know, but, but at the same time, there were, the reasons were, were were lovely, but I, the, the experience I had were, were different. Right now in 20 years later, 30 years later, I can see the value of what happened Mm -hmm. of what I did and would I do it all over again. Absolutely. I would do everything the same way because I wouldn't be who I am right
0: right now without it. You've learned a lot of beautiful lessons.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And I, I think, uh, I think, Rabia, a lot of people feel abandoned in some way or, or another, uh, you know, based on whatever situation or circumstance you have.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And then it comes, you come to a place in your life where you feel lost because you recognize that you're really abandoning yourself. Yes. And so when you were, when you were talking about, Okay. When I was down at the, at the bottom, there's no, nowhere to go, but I had this thought. Well, some people give up. So what is, what is it within you that made you not give up? Made you think that there were other possibilities for you. There was some other way to help nourish you and, um, make you feel more empowered or make you feel more in control of creating the life that you wanted for yourself.
1: Mm Uh, you know, I had always been very dependent in my life. And so being the victim, very dependent and always either blaming my life and things that happen on others Uh or giving them responsibility, they can help me. Someone can help me. Someone Uh will get me out of this. Someone will come and save me.
0: Yeah. We want to be rescued
1: rescued yes and but here was this time where it said and i knew i had the ability like deep down inside i i know i'm capable i know i'm smart i know i'm resilient i've gone through so much in my life Mm -hmm. and but that breakdown like i was literally watching what was that show um i was watching you know Oh goodness. I'm, so, I, I don't watch too much TV. Uh, <laughs> Law and Order. I would oh, watch uh-huh. Law and Order, like just a couple of hours of TV. I don't watch TV, but in that three weeks, I would watch Law and Order. And there was that Hollywood matchmaker, Patty Stranger. Um, I, I don't know. I don't but, and I, I, was watching, I was watching these shows and I remember it was, uh, Prince William and, um, Prince William's wedding and I was watching the wedding and I was just like, I was totally vegging out and doing things that I don't usually do. Uh-huh. And, but that was really good for me because I was learning even through these events um, because I turned my mind off. Right. And not like even I, I, part of my mind was always thinking about, Oh my God, what's happened. And then, I was shutting down my mind because I couldn't do it on my own. Mm -hmm. I distracted myself with these things, but for just in those three weeks and I ate whatever I wanted. I wasn't on a diet anymore because I've been on a diet for the last God knows how long. Uh, (laughs) I know. I I hear it's called lifestyle. It's a lifestyle. I was just going to say it's a lifestyle. Yeah. Yeah. But back then I would say I'm always on a diet anyways. Um, so I turned off my mind, but then I, when I would turn it on, it would be, how do I do this?
2: Mm.
1: I want this. So initially for me, initially it was just to salvage the relationship. I wasn't Mm -hmm. even doing it for myself. Yeah. It was just Salvage the relationship. Yeah. But then, in the process of wanting to salvage this relationship with someone else, I started salvaging the relationship with myself. Yeah. And I stumbled onto, so I'm, you know, being, after the three weeks, I went to a meetup, met my life coach, hired him, and two weeks later, within six weeks of that process, I am feeling more energy and he would keep saying to me don't just think about that relationship think about yourself Mm -hmm. i had to be guided because we're not trained to think about ourselves in this way we can be selfish and do things um for ourselves and i do believe i was a very selfish person as well Mm -hmm. but at the same because i was rebelling when i was selfish i was rebelling
0: right like don't, tell me, like, don't tell me what to do.
1: Exactly. My, my, my you know, I had a couple of um, processes that were running in my mind. One was, yeah, I'll show you.
0: Oh, hmm
1: And the second one was my way or the highway. Ooh.
0: <laughs> I think a lot of people can probably relate to that,
1: Rabia. <laughs> and so these two things absolutely ran my life. I couldn't admit to being a victim. Okay. because this is acceptable. But in those three weeks in this hiring process or this co- when I uh, hired Perfect. my coach, uh-huh. um, what I learned is that I am not my thoughts. How I feel doesn't define me. And when I started putting my emotions into categories of past, present, future and started separating and it, it was this, distilling moment where who is Rabia? Who is Rabia? And that, uh, you know, I, and if I was always showing up as angry, bitter, resentful, Mm. Rabia's bitter, angry, resentful. Wow. And if I'm happy or sad or um, empowered, what did I do to feel this way? Right, right and uh, you know now where i'm at in this whole process is jug- being both meaning i can be sad really coming to own my feelings because i wasn't familiar with expressing myself in these emotions without getting upset right without being angry so the how to your question was that how did i find that that transition from being a victim to uh, no longer being a victim or being victorious. Ooh, I like that. <laughs> um, just showing up for myself every day, hmm. showing up for myself. Uh, I was, I definitely think I was on the extreme side where 24 7 of my life, I was, there was an audio program that I was listening to all the time. And that was clearing my mind, keeping me on track. I think we need reminders. I needed reminders. Okay, it's so easy to go to default. Right. And so I had this intense session of six weeks where I was just listening to an audio program. I was being coached every week. I was on track. Like, if I needed to do a midweek check-in, my midweek check-in would come a day early, not a day late. I was so eager. Mm -hmm. And I was... I never knew I could do all this. And every task I set out, I would get done. So there was a plan. Now there's a plan in my life. So life isn't happening to me anymore. I'm happening to my life.
0: Uh huh. Right.
1: That was a transition where, right. like, I, I, I would say that there are three ways that three things we can do uh, to get through life. We can let God, if those of you who believe in God, or uh, we can let time, I call it time. Time will take care of everything. The second way is by working with time. So mm-hmm. what I was doing is I was working with time. I was learning what I need to do for myself. And the third way is transcending. Something's just automatically shifted. Just instantly when I heard the right thing. Sometimes it's like that. You get that aha moment. Mm-hmm. Just If you say something, sometimes, you know, when I've heard you and you've said something or when I hear someone else, it's that instantly it's like dots connecting. Right. And but this whole process was very deliberate. First time in my life, I became deliberate about my I call it self-love and self-care, because if I don't do it, who will? Is someone
0: Yeah. I mean, nobody can take care of you better than you can take care of yourself for, you know, when, when you eat, Mm -hmm. uh, what your body needs, if you want to walk or dance or, you know, do something, it's that creative expression. You know, Mm -hmm. what am I, um, how am I expressing myself Mm -hmm. to, to myself first and -hmm. then out in the world? Uh, how am I processing my own emotions? And my own mindset, is that in alignment with who I want to be Mm -hmm. versus who I was yesterday or five minutes ago?
2: Right.
1: Absolutely. Um, It was for me that this process became a necessity. Mm -hmm. It was like eating, like brushing my teeth. Breathing. Breathing. (laughs) Breathing. Mm -hmm. I had to turn on. So if I was cooking in the kitchen and I didn't turn on the exhaust fan, there would be smoke filled in my kitchen. Right. This process for me was the exhaust fan Mm -hmm. because never had I subscribed to a process that would tune up my mind. Never. We don't tune up our minds. We tune up our cars. We repair our homes. We, um, you know, fix our clothes if they've got a hole in it, but we don't tune up our mind and I'm a, I'm a very heart centered person, but my thoughts are just rapid. Like I, 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 I'm more in my head than I am in my heart, but I'm a very, I know that my, it's important for me to be in a loving space. Yeah. And so when you were talking about the 18 inches between the heart and And the the head, head, Mm -hmm. it's the longest journey I've ever taken.
0: Mm. The most
1: valuable. And the
0: most rewarding when you actually honor it. Mm -hmm. Because I think that so many times we live our lives disconnected. Mm -hmm. It's this sense of, if I feel it's too painful or I feel like I'll get lost or overwhelmed, or all consumed, even in grief, like what you were talking about, because so many of us hold on to these situations that are very sad, or we feel lonely or abandoned. And it's like, how do we honor that sense of grief as part of our human experience, and yet know that even when we can feel sadness, we can also simultaneously feel Love and joy and connection,
2: mm-hmm.
0: and so how do we navigate these paradoxes of it's not either or? It's part of the all of of our human experience. Mm-hmm. So how can we how can we process and honor all of that while reconnecting um, and letting letting our heart and our emotions and our feelings give us clues? about what's good for us or what's not right for us.
1: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And this is for me, the clues were, if it was an upper torso experience, even if I'm making a decision, that's not a positive decision. So it's a no, that I'm saying yes to myself, but mm. it feels good here <laughs> I'm saying no to someone. Right. But but I'm saying yes to myself, and it I, I, I say no to somebody else as a hell yeah to yourself. <laughs> and and I have this upper torso experience. So when I sent that message last week, mm-hmm. I my body was signaling here.
0: Like, how did it feel in your body? How did it feel it in felt your body?
1: Liberating. Uh huh. Yeah. It felt, I felt expansion. I felt. Yeah. I felt. I felt that I. Honored myself and I was so happy Mm. that I honored myself. And sometimes when I don't honor myself, which was the times that I was meeting, wasn't honoring myself when I wasn't expressing myself, I would get this feeling in my lower torso because it was fear Uh and my fear lives in my belly. Uh I need to do something. I'm not acting on it. I know I need to do something. I'm not acting on it. It doesn't feel good. And so when I did it, that feeling automatically came up. Yeah. So like connecting with my body was definitely a part of this whole connection with my heart. Mm-hmm. Mind, body, heart, soul. Heart.
0: Yeah. We're all this system. And so, mm-hmm. how can we learn to honor each part of the system so that so that you nourish the entire system?
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. It was a soul, mind, body—you know, mind, body, heart, soul—gym mm-hmm. that I went to. It was <laughs> an intense Working boot out. camp. It was an intense uh, boot uh-huh. camp.
0: Uh huh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What a beautiful gift that you have given yourself.
1: Yeah. And as a result, uh, you know, I founded a nonprofit to empower women to empower themselves. And, um, you know, during this whole process, I woke up one day and I said, I know exactly what I want to do. And I want to help other women um, who don't have the support that I did that didn't have, you know, I I took a lot of things for granted as well in that time because there was a structure for me that was present without even me thinking about it. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: And so I thought that what about those people that don't have a support structure or don't have a place to go and talk to someone that are thinking about these things, but not willing to act or not having the space to act on them. Because I think there are lots of people who do want to do it, that sometimes time, money, money, or priorities don't allow them, but it's not something that they don't want. It's just that they don't have the time to actually work towards it.
0: Right, in this present and, moment,
1: yeah. maybe later. Exactly, pushing it off, and the, which is why the pandemic was so great. For that one reason, not, there were lots of negative aspects of the pandemic. But this one time that the world shut down, Hey, we've got to listen to ourselves now. We've got yeah. nothing else to listen to.
0: Right, right. Mm-hmm. So this, um, this journey, mm-hmm. <laughs> this journey to a feeling of, of expansion and freedom and peace and nourishment for yourself and love for yourself.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: What is that like for you, for somebody who hasn't experienced that before?
1: it was, um, it was a defining moment. I, I found myself. I found myself. And through self-acceptance, because a lot of those things that I knew about myself, many of the things were, were true. So my, I, I it was uh, understanding and knowing and owning all of me, not just the good parts.
0: Not just the pretty parts that we show on the outside,
1: yeah, not just what shows up, like not just my words, right, not just you know, just being alignment, so for me, it was um, it was thinking, doing and acting in alignment, mm-hmm. being- author, being true mm-hmm. to myself, but also that transparency. Value that's so important to me, yeah, uh, is showing up as transparent. It's really important to me. And sometimes, even as I'm speaking, um, I'm sharing intimate parts of my life, and my like my mind it, it doesn't switch off. No matter how much work you do, it doesn't. Yeah. You don't switch. The switch doesn't turn off. You just see it. Right. Better. You're aware of it. You're aware of it. And so I have, Oh my God, I'm talking about people. What will they be thinking? Right? right. But they know who they are. I'm not sharing that, but I'm just saying that's sort of going playing in my mind. But I, I trust that there is value in what I have to offer, what I have to share. And that's another thing I've, before I never thought I had any value. What? You're beautiful. I never had, meaning, but that's because of my experiences and, you know, not being given an opportunity to share. Right. Or express myself and not having expressed myself in this way. Right. I never thought I had value. Hmm. And what I learned was I do have value, and that relationship that ended added to that because uh in the times that we knew each other, there was always this validation of you 're so smart you 're so this like there were always these positive affirmations right and and you know words of affirmation is one of my Languages, yeah, yeah. So I didn't even know this, and like, I mean, I found this out three or four years later about the book and about all that. But, but I, but I, when when those words were spoken to me, there was a part of me that believed it. Mm -hmm. And 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 I I have to value myself. Yeah, that's that's what it boils down to, right? And so. Those words that really meant a lot to me. I said, how am I showing up? How am I affirming myself?
0: Right. How am I showing up for myself?
1: And how am I, am I, how am I affirming myself? How am I telling myself that I am beautiful, that I am smart, that I have value? And that was so, uh, it was a very emotional process. Of course looking at myself in the mirror and telling myself that, you know, you're beautiful and that I love you. It's not easy. And I, I, I wept. It was hard. Yeah, it was hard. So recognizing myself was, was uh, the nugget here for me that I can be myself. Uh, I don't have to say that I'm a bad person because I did X, Y, Z.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: that I'm human. I I became human.
0: Yeah. You can see all aspects of yourself and come to this place of genuine reverence for who you are. The the messy parts (laughs) that you try to hide away and then the parts that you share with the world openly. It's like Mm -hmm. they're all part of our human experience. Mm -hmm. So this is a perfect segue into our last question, because how do you define real love?
1: I define real love. How do I define real love? Um, Real love is um, appreciation for the self and others without, without an outcome.
0: Mm.
1: Without the expectation of an outcome.
0: No expectations, including putting them on yourself. Yep. It's a a beautiful acceptance.
1: Acceptance. Audacious self-acceptance, I call it. And acceptance, yeah.
0: Yeah. Audacious acceptance. Like, no matter what's going on in my life, whatever craziness or chaos or struggles or whatever that I am worthy of love.
2: Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Mm -hmm. Not because of what I do, but because of who I am.
1: Yeah. And who I am is always
0: enough. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's beautiful, Rabia.
1: Yeah. I feel very warm today.
0: Yeah. Good. (laughs) Me too. Me too. I knew that you would be a beautiful, beautiful guest because your heart is so big. And you have overcome so much. Uh, You know, I've heard, I've heard Mm -hmm. you speak so many times and you have, you, you uh, resonate and you give off this beautiful energy of love and acceptance of both yourself and the people around you. So thank you so much for sharing yourself
1: today. Thank you. Thank you. It's such a honor and privilege and I'm so glad uh that we had this time together me too so how can people get in
0: touch with you Rabia how can people find out more about you or work with you
1: yeah well um they can reach me on uh, my email uh, rabia at rabiaparacha.com and also on my instagram I am Paracha. And uh, TikTok, I am Rabia Paracha. So that's basically throughout. um, So any of those mediums. My website is uh, www.rabiaparacha.com as well. Uh
0: Uh-huh. And uh, your EQ thing and your spark factor? No, oh yeah talk about spark those.
1: factor. Yes of course um so spark factor is a community uh well we're on clubhouse as well. Uh so you can reach me on uh, at clubhouse as well. Uh, so spark factor is uh a, a platform that helps people connect uh on a meaningful and sustainable level because i believe that we're all here to find love for ourselves and each other and yeah. Uh, We want meaning and purpose and longevity and... And, uh, you know, working through it. So uh, it's an it's a it's an upcoming platform as the spark factor, which uh, hope to create introduction meetings and uh, places where people can connect, but in a more deeper and meaningful way, not just swiping right and left to the wrong people, but more articulated for and curated by um, psychometrics and by needs and wants rather than personality types. Right. So, mm-hmm. lots of things happening. Yes, yes, yes. Lots of things happening. Lots of evolution.
0: Mm-hmm. It's beautiful. Uh, well, uh, for for my listeners, uh, you can reach me, Dawn Richard, or the Awakening uh, at the Awakening with Dawn on Instagram and Facebook, LinkedIn, Dawn Richard, um, or the Awakening with Dawn, or Wake Up to, Re- or this Wake Up to Real Love podcast on. Spotify and iTunes and a lot of other podcast platforms. And so, of course, I would assume and I hope that this conversation with Rabia today was inspiring to you. So please subscribe, leave uh, five-star reviews, share with all your friends because both Rabia and I have a beautiful mission in our life to share more love in the world, to help people process all of the things that they're going through to come to this deeper place of reverence and acceptance for who they are. Um, it's, it's We're messy in our humanity, but we're perfect in our, in our divinity, in our hearts, and our souls. Um, we're all whole, perfect, and complete as we are. And the mantra of, of the podcast is the most important relationship you'll ever have is the one you have with yourself. So that is what we're talking about. Is taking care of you, nourishing you, um, giving to yourself, honoring yourself, loving yourself, uh, processing the things, letting go of the things that no longer serve you and creating, you know, going from this, this feeling of victim and powerlessness uh, to a place of creation. What do I want for my life? Who do I want to become? Uh, What kind of impact and influence do I want to have in the world? And how can I show up uh, as the best version of me? So, so, so grateful and honored to have you here, Rabia. Thank you so, so much for being here. Thank you, Dawn. It was such a pleasure. I loved it. Thank you. Thank you. So listeners, every day, wake up to more and more real love. Take care, everyone. We'll see you next time. Subscribe to the Wake Up to Real Love podcast, leave five-star reviews, and of course, share with your friends. You can find Dawn on various social media platforms at Dawn Richard
1: or at The Awakening with Dawn.